Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba, helping you find happiness and joy on your homesteading journey. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. This is episode number 25, and we're going to be talking about the meat industry today. And this, I know with the dairy industry, I put kind of a disclaimer out there. Not that it was going to be graphic or anything or too many cuss words, but that it might trigger some people and the things that you think or know or believe already. So I ask you to keep an open mind with what I'm sharing here about the meat industry. So I am outside again recording today. So there's a car coming by right now. Hopefully there won't be too many of them as the episode goes on. But of course, that one's a really big truck. Um, So this episode today is not a plug for everyone to go vegan exactly. But I think this is an episode about how we need to do better as a society with things like agriculture and the meat industry. And I think you have the power to help change that industry. You have the power with your dollar signs, with your money to impact what's happening, to impact the way that industry functions, you have a choice. And I'm not saying to eat meat or not to eat meat, but if you choose to eat meat after hearing everything I'm going to say, I would love for you to buy higher quality meat because it's better for you as a person, but it's also better for the animals and the environment in general. So we'll get to that as we go along. So there is going to be no crazy graphic details or false information. I may cuss once or twice like I have in most episodes so far, but nothing too crazy here that you have to worry about. So I want this episode to really give you a pause the next time you go to buy meat or eggs and ask, where did this come from? And how was it raised? And if you can't answer those two questions, why are you buying it? If you don't know where it came from or how it was raised. And there's a lot of reasons behind that that we'll get into. So we'll start with a little bit of a history lesson. So us as humans, we started off as hunter-gatherers. That's just who we were. We lived in community. That's how we fed ourselves, was hunting and gathering whatever we could. And then as we, time went on, we discovered that nature can be abundant and that we can farm it. We can plant seeds and get plants to grow instead of just going into the woods and finding whatever we could find. And this is where agriculture started. And it's agriculture, not only from a plant side of things, but also agriculture from a the meat side, the animal husbandry side, instead of having to go out and hunt, which requires a lot of effort, if you could just grow some of those animals, similar animals in your backyard, in your side yard, on your fields, that would save a lot of effort from having to go find those animals to hunt. So our goal right now with modern agriculture that we have with the big machines and the pesticides and insecticides and everything else, the goal behind modern agriculture is to produce more, maybe a better crop, cheaper for a bigger pro- bigger profit. It's an industry. It's about the money. 
most of the time it's not about how high of quality of whatever it is that they're producing. They don't care. I want you to think about industries like Walmart's, industries like McDonald's, organizations like that. They don't care what the quality is of the food that they're feeding you or selling you. They care about what their bottom line is. How much money are they making? And that doesn't mean they're horrible, evil people. The people that run Walmarts and and McDonald's, that doesn't mean that farmers are bad people either, whether they're plant farmers or animal farms that are being run. That doesn't make everyone inherently bad, but it's a business, and it comes down to the dollar signs that they can make. So how can they produce more and maybe a better crop for way less money over and over and over again? This is where science comes in. So we've taken the fact that nature is abundant and we've now added science to the mix to help us produce these bigger, better crops that are going to make us more money. How have we done that? All the chemicals that I mentioned before, the herbicides, insecticides, the pesticides, the hormones that we inject these animals with, genetically modified crops, all of it is science-based. And science is not bad. Science is definitely a real thing. I'm not hating science too much here. I think we, I think we have taken science, which is amazing, where we learn a lot of things And we've kind of gone to the extreme. I feel like we've gotten very greedy, if that makes sense. And we've used science to fuel that greed, to fuel a bigger profit, to have these larger organizations. So science is not bad as a whole, but I think sometimes how it's been applied, we didn't realize what herbicides, insecticides, pesticides were going to do, not only to the environment over the long haul, long term, but we didn't realize what that was going to do to us and to other animals, other plants. We didn't know what was going to happen. We just knew it could allow us to grow bigger, better crops, bigger, better animals. So we did it. But now we do know that there isn't such thing as too much of a good thing. It is possible to use too many pesticides, too many herbicides, put these animals through so much that it no longer is beneficial, not only for us as humans, but for them and for the environment. So I guess where I'm going with this is enough is enough at some point. We have to open our eyes and look and say, we are really fucking this up. And we can really change this. We can turn this around. Nothing is too late. Nothing is too far gone because nature is abundant and it wants to heal. It wants to survive. It wants to thrive. So let's help it survive and thrive. And this ties all back into the things I love like permaculture because that's what this is about. Factory farms don't exist in permaculture. In no world does a factory farm exist. So we'll get into now a little bit more about those factory farms. So for example here, I'm going to pick on chickens and pigs quite a bit, but chickens and pigs, the chickens and pigs we produce now as a meat crop and that we consume on a regular basis. I say we as in the American, not just Americans, but across the board, they are horribly modified. They essentially are genetically modified, a GMO, a genetically modified organism, like some of these crops you've heard all about. 
So some of these meat birds have been genetically bred and modified so much that their breasts are so big they can't really walk and they cannot reproduce. If we did not artificially inseminate the breast meat chickens that we have in factory farms right now, they would exist no more. That breed would be gone if we didn't artificially inseminate them over and over again. These pigs that we are eating are so big, they grow so large and so fast that they're considered quote-unquote full-grown at the age of six months. Nothing is full-grown at six months old, especially not something like that that has four legs. There's no way it's full-grown at six months. No way. So I will go into the horror side a little bit, but not too far into detail here. So what is a factory farm? A factory farm is kind of how it sounds, where they put a lot of animals into one building to try to produce try to reduce the amount of space needed to produce as high of a profit as possible, profit per pound. So in these factory farms, a lot of times people don't think, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know that's how animals were raised and kept until I watched some vegan documentaries. And of course, the vegan documentaries, they take into the factory farm sometimes, into these buildings, and you get to see what it looks like in there. And it's overwhelming. The amount of animals that they will squeeze into a factory farm, it's to the point where these animals almost can't even move anymore. So those cage-free eggs that you're buying from the store, you think you're doing a great job? I know I did. When I was eating eggs, I would make sure that they're the organic cage-free. That's so much better, right? What that really means is instead of putting hundreds and thousands of cages side by side by side and on top of each other, they're now removing the cage but still wedging that many animals into the building, So those aren't happy chickens. Those chickens don't get to roam free. And if you've ever seen a chicken that's out and free, it scratches the ground. It it pucks, uh, plucks, sorry. It pecks at the ground with its beak and it eats all these bugs and it digs up some dirt and it takes dust baths, you know, like they're kind of cool to watch what these chickens do just naturally. But when they're in a building like that, so close together that they can't move, They don't get to be chickens. They don't even get to see the sunlight. They are trapped in this building. There's no windows. You know, there's no sunroof for them. There's none of that. And it's the same thing with these pigs. They don't get to see the sunlight. Pigs naturally root around. So what that means is they take their beautiful, strong snouts and they will dig up the grass. They'll dig up in the dirt. They eat a bunch of grubs and the roots and... That's what they do, and when it gets hot because pigs can't sweat, what they do is they, that's why they get in the mud, and they always get this bad rap, you know, for being a, if you're a dirty person, you live in a pigsty, haha, but that's, pigs can't sweat, they need the mud to help keep them cool in the summer, but you better believe these factory farms don't have a spot for them to go root, a place for them to go wallow in the mud in the summer to stay cool. No, they're trapped in this building, smushed so close together they can barely move. Something else they do in these factory farms is with the beaks of the chickens, they will actually cut them to make them more dull 
Because chickens, when they get upset and stressed out and anxious for whatever reason, maybe they feel like they don't have enough water or enough food or enough space, they will peck at each other. They will eat each other alive. That's legitimate. I've read it in many books. Like, that can happen. Chickens can go cannibalistic on us if they're not happy. So then they kind of do the same thing with the pigs. If the pigs aren't happy, they're going to swipe at each other. They're going to nip and bite at each other. So what they do when the piglet is a baby, they actually will take the tail. They, they'll take the tail of these piglets and just cut them off. Just cut them off. No pain meds, no nothing. So I'm sure you can imagine these little piglets screaming because they can feel pain and their tail just got cut off with nothing. It got cut off and there was nothing to help them with that pain. They're just thrown and the next one is their tail gets cut off. Then the next one, the next one, like a big machine. But it's not, these animals are not part of a machine. They're animals. And we also trim their ears. We cut notches into their ears to notate what mom and what number pig she was in the litter. Like you name it. All these things happen to these pigs so they won't chew each other's tails off when they're so close together and they're really upset and stressed out, which I think should tell us that there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with what we're doing. There's something wrong with how we're treating and raising these animals for our own use if that's what we're doing, is we have to cut their tails off as a preventative so they won't get so upset that they chew each other's tails off. So... Not only with the pigs here, I'm going to talk quite a bit about pigs because I volunteered at Sisu Refuge, which is in Duplin County, where there's a lot of hog farms. I think it is county out of the every county in the United States, Duplin County is the most densely populated with hog farms. So Sisu Refuge being in Duplin County, they got a lot of these big, beautiful pigs, which I'll kind of go into that story a little bit. But for now, once these pigs are born, at some point when they're really young, these piglets are taken away from their mothers and they are shipped. They are packed into this tractor trailer, basically, and they are shipped to like a finishing house, essentially, where they just stand there and grow fat for six months before they're killed to become pork chops for you. But these infants sometimes will actually jump off the truck. Somehow they squeeze themselves out and jump off the truck. And that is quite a few of the pigs that Sisu Refuge saves are these little baby pigs. One of them had such bad road rash from jumping off the truck. We didn't think she was going to make it. So their resiliency, their their will to live their desire and want to live and be healthy is amazing but we treat them like they're disposable like they mean nothing so a pig is as smart as a three-year-old child a pig is arguably as smart as a dog they know their names they sit for treats they like belly rubs So you see what I'm saying here is these pigs are beings. They are, in my mind, in my eyes, similar to a dog. I would absolutely love to have pigs on my property just the way that I have cats and dogs right now. I would love that. 
because that's how I view pigs as they they can be a pet. If you treat them right and you love them the way that they want to be loved. So these animals that are in these factory farms, because they don't get to do their regular routine, whatever that is, wallowing, rooting around, scratching at the ground, eating a bunch of bugs, they get really sick. I don't know if you've ever seen the trucks full of birds, the trucks full of chickens being shipped off. Those are most likely the meat chickens being shipped off to slaughter. They look sick. They look not healthy. They're missing a lot of feathers. Some of them look the wrong color. They're packed on top of each other. And you can see some of them aren't really moving on the truck. So they're probably dead. And it's just crazy to me that then that's turned around and fed to us. And that's what we eat. They're pumped full of antibiotics to prevent diseases from running rampant through those horrible situations. And this also is similar to the dairy industry, where we put these animals in such unnatural places and treat them in not great ways, completely goes against their nature. They're scared. They don't know what's happening. They've been taken from their parents way too young. And then what do we do? Some humans that are not great people, maybe scum of the earth, go out there and will abuse these animals that are already going through so much trauma. And they're being pumped full of, I said before, antibiotics. But can you imagine the stress levels in their body? The hormones in there don't just magically go away because we kill them. The hormones are still in the meat. And that's what you're eating is all the hormones. There are a lot of people, especially in Duplin County, that live near hog farms because there's so many of them in that county. And the people that live the closest to the hog farms get really, really sick. And I'm not just making that up. I'm not just pretending because what do you do with the waste from a factory farm like that? Where does all the waste go? It goes outside because you don't really want that in with the pigs. They're already sick enough. You don't need to make them sicker from their own waste. So you funnel that out and it just sits out there and it's not good for the environment or for the people that live right by those factory farms. So not only are the factory farms making the animals sick, that they all require a bunch of antibiotics, but it's also making the people that live near them sick. If we are producing food in such a way that it's making people sick, not only just from eating that meat, but from living near that farm, that should be a red flag for us that we need to change. Something needs to change. Something needs to be done different than that. Overall, the quality of that meat is not good. Not good for anybody for any reason. We need to do better. And I know I said I would talk about CC Refuge a little bit. And I'm not going to go into detail about every pig that they've ever gotten before because they do have a lot of piggies out there. But they started because when Hurricane Florence came through eastern North Carolina, the pigs were left to die in the factory farms. Because to the meat industry, those pigs are just inventory. Like Walmart, with all the clothes or food they have on the shelves, that's just inventory to them. They don't care. So when Hurricanes Florence came through with the floodwaters, Walmart left their stuff behind, of course. But so did the meat industry. They left the pigs behind to drown to death. 
Let that sink in. These beautiful creatures that are as smart as three-year-old human beings, we left them to die in the flood water just because we didn't care. They're not, they're not treated as anything. They're treated like nothing. Something completely replaceable, like they don't have a personality or a soul, whatever you believe in, they were nothing. And sure enough, Hurricane Florence came through the floodwaters rose and some of the pigs were able to get out. They swam away because they had this will to survive, this will to thrive, this will to just be alive and be happy. They got out. And so now you had three, four, five, six hundred pound pigs roaming around people's backyards. Of course, that did not go over good. So some people were shooting and killing them. Um, Not going to lie about that. But that is what started Sisu Refuge. They wanted to be able to provide these pigs with a safe spot to land after such a horrible and traumatic experience. And that's what they did. And a lot of them, you could tell if they came from a factory farm or from somewhere else. The factory farm pigs, all of them have no tails. They just have little nubs. Pigs are meant to have tails, the curly tails. And what's amazing to me is how many of those pigs that were mistreated throughout their whole existence up until making it to Sisu Refuge, how many of them love people? How many of them will come up to you making the most beautiful, cutest pig noises they could possibly make? How many of them just want to be pet? and scratched and want belly rubs. I have personally been able to get five, 600 pound big pigs to flop over for belly rubs. And it is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life. Now I'm not going to tell you that every pig is happy and friendly and loves people because that's not true. There are some pigs that would prefer to have nothing to do with human beings and that's okay. There are some pigs that kind of go feral And that's okay. You kind of know which ones those are. And the ones that want loving, you give them loving. The ones that want the treats and they'll sit for you, you give them that. To me, it's like a dog or a cat or a human being. We're all different. We all don't have the same personality. We all don't have to have the same personality. We all shouldn't be lumped together in one category or group. So I think it's amazing that these pigs all have different personalities And they're beautiful to watch. And I loved the time that I got to spend out there at Sisu Refuge with these pigs. So today I have talked about the meat industry, kind of beat them up a little bit, how what they're doing is making the environment sick, making the animals sick that you're eating, and making the people sick that live near these farms. So why are we doing it? Why are you going to the store and supporting this industry? Why are you giving them your money? So it's not hopeless. You don't have to become vegan. You don't have to become vegetarian. You don't have to give up meat for the rest of your life. But you can do better. Instead of buying whatever meat is on sale at the store this week, and I know that everybody's on a budget, and maybe you can't afford to buy the high-quality meat that's greatly raised, and I get that. But maybe there's local farmers. And when I say local, I don't mean your next-door neighbor farms cows or pigs and that's what you're going to go with when I say local I could mean it could be an hour away could be two there are local farmers that treat their animals right 
in a great way for the environment and for the animals. I personally choose not to eat meat for a lot of reasons, but you can find a way to eat better meat than what you're eating right now. Better quality. If you don't want to do it for the animals, do it for yourself. Do it for your health. You deserve better than the low-quality meat full of antibiotics and hormones. You do. You deserve better than that. Your body needs better than that. To me, I put the shitty, horribly processed meat in the same industry as the ultra-processed foods that you buy at the store. You deserve better than that, too. So find a way to get better, higher-quality meat. If that means you want to raise that yourself or maybe your neighbor wants to raise it and you support your neighbor, whatever it may be, maybe you want to give up meat. Maybe in order to pay the price of a higher quality meat at the grocery store, you decide to do meatless Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And every Tuesday, Thursday, on the weekend, you eat high quality meat to try to make up for the cost difference. Whatever works for you. But I want you to realize what it is that you're eating, to realize what it is that you are putting into your body. Just because it's meat and it's protein doesn't automatically make it good and healthy for you. It doesn't mean that. Just because it's at the store doesn't mean the person who raised that meat and slaughtered that meat gave a shit about that meat. They probably didn't. So if you can't answer those two questions, where did this come from and how was it raised? I wouldn't eat the meat, me personally, because you just don't know. And the odds are it came from a factory farm where those animals were possibly abused by someone physically, but they were definitely emotionally and mentally abused just from the living conditions that they're in. We treat these animals like they are nothing, like they mean nothing, like they have no personality, like they are plants. Not, I think plants mean something, but to some people, it's just a tree, you know? What does it matter? Just a pig, what does it matter? I promise you those animals feel pain. Those animals feel love. Those animals can be happy and healthy I think they are worth doing meatless Mondays for. I would love to be able to save some animals myself one day and see that they live the best possible life that they can. I think it's beautiful when you get the love of one of those animals that has been abused in the past because if you're their person, they love you with all their heart and you can feel it. Not only do you get that love from kids or your dog or your cat, but you can get that kind of love from a pig. You can get that kind of love from a cow. Chickens, I'm not so sure, and goats too. (laughs) As much as I love chickens and goats, uh, they are not my passion, I would say, like pigs and cows are. And I feel like chickens and goats are just weird in general. So I do think they can love you with all their heart. But to me, that love doesn't quite look the same as a pig or a cow. And that's okay that they love people different. Like the love I get from my dog is different than the love I get from my cats. Totally different because they're two different species. And that's kind of how it is with uh, 
chickens versus a pig. Two different species, two different types of love, I'm sure. Um, so I've kind of beat this up enough. I didn't want to make this go down the rabbit hole, make you sad and depressed and scared, but just know that you have a choice. You are making a decision every time you buy something from the store, what you choose to give your money to, who you choose to give your money to, and what you choose to spend it on does make a difference. And one of the best things you can do is just not buy it. Just don't buy from these factory farms. And eventually they will stop being a thing. But we need the word to get out there to stop buying from factory farms. However that looks like for you. That's how I'm about everything. I keep saying that over and over again. You take what you need from this and do what you can to change your life. But low quality meat with these animals being tortured for months and months and months is not, it's not worth it. It's not worth your health. It's not worth the health of the people that live outside of these factory farms. It's not worth the health of these animals either. Just for some low quality, cheap ass meat. So we can do better and you can do better by figuring out where your meat is actually coming from. It'll take a little bit of effort, a little bit of time, but it's totally doable. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. Please do that. I try to post a few times a day, actually, so it'll help you stay up to date with some of the new podcasts as they're being released. And if you like something, I would love to start you know, getting comments on the Facebook or Instagram feed, see what you guys like and what you don't like. And if you loved this episode or any other episode recently, please feel free to share it with other people. We're trying to get the word out there and let people know what we're all about here. So thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more amazing content.